Welcome adventurers. Here's what happened last time on the Incorrigible Party. After the armor of Kalara's assembly, Silas offers each of the party members individual accommodations for the night. With the intent to reconvene in the morning to wait for their orders from Samuel and the generals about their next move against the Niyogi. But not all party members immediately bed down for the night. And now on with the show. Shaf, you are now in your your tent to, to bed down for the night? While I'm sitting in my tent, uh, I'm going to take out uh, my my journal. And in the journal, I'm going to write uh, a quick a little note to Falzrin. Rip out the page and, and put it in my pocket. I want to just sort of not pack anything away. I'm just going to lay there for a while, listening to hear when everything sort of calms down. You know, listening for Falzrin snoring to, you know, see when everybody's sort of asleep. Then I want to sneak out and sort of make my way over to Falzerin and Thuff the Younger's tent. Sort of circling around, listening, hearing if I hear any movement or anything. Okay, give me a uh, perception. It's a 12. Before you get too close, you, you do hear like muffled voices. Clearly the sound of conversation, uh, but you would have to get closer to to make out what the actual words were okay yeah i want to try to get as close as i can all right give me a stealth that's a 26 as you're kind of creeping down and, and like the it's almost like a line of tents right it's not uh, an orderly line again because of the way the terrain is you're kind of placing tents where they can just fit essentially but it's kind of this loose clusters is the tents that Silas had, had brought the party over to, right? You kind of wind down the path and get towards Falzern's tent and you catch the end of what, what seems like the end of, of a conversation. So once you get in it, it's going to be glorious. Yes, yes. I've been waiting for a long time. Okay. Good night. Good night. I think I'm just going to hang out there for a little while, sort of hide in the shadows. Um, waiting to hear when everything sort of settles down. Just, what kind of tent are these? Is this kind of tent I could like crawl under in? Are they sleeping on the ground? Um, no, they're more like think of um, like almost like a personal like semicircular tent. Uh, so there's like makeshift like poles where the the like the canvas or the burlap would be draped over, and then a similar material for like the floor of it. So you're not on like the cold stone or the the, the you know the wood platforms, uh, so there is a layer of, of material there between like the sleeper and the sleeper's bedroll and then the actual ground itself. Okay, so I'm gonna need to go into the front if I want to get into their tent. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so I think after a little time passes and I feel comfortable that they're both sleeping, I'm gonna try to sneak my way into the tent. As you are kind of wait, essentially waiting them out, right? Just to make sure they've drifted off into sleep. Throughout this, though, you see, which would be to, to kind of your left, um, as your tent would have been kind of in the middle of this cluster. You know, Shakara's on the farthest left, Falzer's on the farthest right, me and Hork kind of in between where yours are. You actually see from Shakara's tent in the darkness the the canvas of it 
glows with a familiar looking blue light. The material does very <laughs> little to stifle or suppress the reach of it. But the it's like the, this sphere of it is kind of bubbled out from the center of the tent, forming like a 15 foot radius or so, which is about the size of the tents themselves. And kind of like the effects emitted by the tower, the light just seems to stop as if it was something like physically tangible rather than like what a lantern would cast to bright light and then dim light as the rays kind of disperse. But that's not how this blue light is, right? And then again, moments pass and it's snuffed out. The night's natural darkness kind of floods back in to fill this sudden void in space that was left by the absence of the blue light. I'll do a quick look around. Do I see any uh, any guards or anybody else that may have also seen this take place? You can give me a perception. Eleven. Um, not from where you are. It seems this may have gone unnoticed, although there are plenty of, of shadows further up or down in the camp where somebody else may just happen to have been kind of out of sight, much like you are. Okay, and how long was the light emitting from her tent? I think you were probably witnessing it for a minute or two. All right, I'll uh, continue on. I'll try to sneak my way in to Falzerin and Thuff the Younger's tent um, without being detected. All right, give me a stealth. 18. You you draw back the, the flap, right, and kind of look in, and you see kind of Falzerin on your left and is in the cot in the bedroll, and Thuff the Younger's on the ground and both of them look asleep stuffed is like on one side eyes closed you can see he's clear he's like snoring kind of lightly but it's like <sighs> like in his sleep falls are in seems to you know this chest is slowly rising and falling as if you know clearly asleep okay i'm gonna look around the tent see if i can find his uh, is he wearing his robe? Was he sleeping, or did he hang it up? He's uh, yeah, he is still wearing it, and uh, his bag of holding is right next to him. All right, I want to try to slide or take open the bag of holding, reach in, and try to find the cube, the tower cube. You can give me a sleight of hand. Twenty-two. Because you know what's in it, you can recall it right from the bag. Uh, as again, the bag of holding isn't like. You don't just open it and rummage around in it, right? You kind of have to recall what's inside of it, and you you do so. Okay, I'm going to take the cube, and uh, I'm going to take that note out of my pocket that I wrote to Falzern and slide it into his uh, robe pocket. Yeah, as, as you're kind of doing so, and you're getting from the bag and sliding in the note, like Falzern kind of stirs, kind of gives like a, like a heavy breath, a bit of a sigh in his sleep, maybe. And, uh, and then kind of falls back into that shadow, like the slow chest rises of, of a sleep. Yeah, I'll sort, of, I'll sort of freeze and grit my teeth and slowly move my little feet back, you know, being very careful to walk and step at each of the little spots that I came in to make sure I don't, you know, ruffle any blankets or anything as I go and then find my way back out of the tent. Okay. Mission accomplished. Okay. Um, and you said Horik's tent was somewhere close to the middle of this, right? Yeah, like right next to yours. Okay. Uh, I'm going to head to Horik's tent now. 
sort of keeping an eye out, looking around, make sure I don't hear or see anything, you know, sort of watching Shakara's tent, see if any more blue light comes out. <laughs> and when I get up to Hork's tent, knowing that, you know, they're they're very light sleepers, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to very quietly whisper into the tent to Horka. Hork, it's me. Hey, uh, hey, yeah, shh, shh. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, quiet. I want to reach in and pull the cube out of my bag. I've got some information on Nina. I need you to help me. We're going to have to leave the others here. I, uh... Does that make me be dangerous? Well, of course it's going to be dangerous. I hand him the cube, and I go, You have to look at this. Study it. And I sort of explain to him... You know, a little bit of what what knowledge I have of it. Okay. So this we're gonna need this to be able to get into the blue light. We gotta go into the blue light of the tower. If you don't have this on you, you could suffer, you know, mental and physical issues. So take a look at it, see how it works. I gotta go get my stuff. I'm gonna go talk to Shikara. I'll be back in about an hour. Hey, we gonna get near Minamaka. Yeah, I mean, that's the plan. And we gotta do it tonight. Alright, he'll take the cube, and you see he starts to, like, examine it, and, you know, making sure he's physically touching it as he kind of inspects it, and then we'll begin to attune to it. So, I'll leave that tent, and then <laughs> head over, uh, by going past Mia's and listening. Do I hear any, uh, anything in Mia's tent? Is she asleep? Uh, you, you can hear... Very soft murmurings. It's like as if someone is in there, like speaking, like talking to themselves, essentially. Okay. I'll bypass that tent and go to Shakara's tent and listen first to make sure she's not, uh, you know, doing anything. <laughs> talking, talking to a Dindar or something. <laughs> no, I wasn't implying anything. <laughs> All right. It does seem silent. So I'll, I'm going to walk up to the tent and whisper into the uh, the front. Shakara. What? Hey, I'm coming in. I'll go into the tent. So I got something to tell you. I hide my hand real quick behind my back. What? Izzy contacted me. Oh, really? Yeah. She has Nina. So she says. So she says. I know you said she was dead. So she told me. I also have somebody that's looking into some information for me, so I don't necessarily trust her, but she hasn't lied to me yet. So she says. Well, anyway, she said if I help you get the eyes and take them back to her, she'll let Nina go. I am really frustrated. With Isabella assuming I cannot do this simple task. Yeah, that, that's something you have to take up with the coven. I'll help you get it. Okay. How are we going to do that? Well, we got to go to the tower. We got to get that one. You've got the other one, right? Yes. Okay. Well, we sneak in. We get it. We get it back to Isabella. And, well, actually, first, we'll have to go to Dracol. I need to talk to somebody to make sure Isabella's not lying to me. Either way, we have them, and we can keep them from her. Or if we need to give them to her, we hold all the cards. 
You have someone that's inside Isabella's encampment? No, I know somebody who knows a lot of things. Should we wake the others? No, this is going to have to just be you, me, and Horik. They're going to go with Sammy up to take care of this Neo-Geek God situation. Sammy, with his invincible armor, will take care of those two. They're just going to cause more problems. You think they're going to be on board for this plan? No, you are right. And it would be difficult to pull Mia away now. So, uh, get your stuff together. We'll, we'll take off here in about 45 minutes. Head down the hill and go right to the tower. I don't think we have time to waste. I, I'll stand up and then kind of uh, waver a little bit and sit back down. I will meet you at your tent. Okay. And I walk back out of the tent and go back to my tent. I will just rest until we are ready to leave. The hour or so passes. Hork kind of comes to Shaft's tent once he's finished with the cube and will join up with Shaft. Shortly later, Shakara will, will join as well. I think we'll just, uh, if we can slowly make it down the hillside quietly. Shakara, do you think you can make it past these tents without waking anybody up? I will do my best. I will get some cell checks here. But as you're about to set out, the three of you notice... I'm about up uh, to the... which would be left, but west of the cave entrance that had all the shells and stuff. Still from within the camp, you see that there is a, a blue light. And it's pulsing. The light kind of intensifies as it flares and then recedes until it almost blinks out before flaring out again. And just repeated almost like a, like a pulse, like a heartbeat, like boom, 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 like constant. No, we can see the tower light from where we are too, right? Up on the mountain. You can, yes. Okay. What's that? Is it Samuel? His armor did glow blue when he first put it on. Can can we tell if it's moving or I mean what it we just see it from a great distance right? Yeah, I mean not too far, uh, like maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty feet away, just further further up the slope again, because you're not too far from that cave entrance. But since you did mention mention the tower, were you to look and and take a gaze down there? Yes, you can see its its effect through in the dark even. You're about three or four miles up the slope, right away from the outer edge of the influence of it. It looks like it is also pulsing. And both the tower's pulse and this pulse from within the camp are in sync. That Hmm. doesn't seem good. Maybe there's a third eye. Mayhaps the armor and the eyes are tied together. And that is why Isabella wanted the armor on Heracleon. Ah, that's a good point. Well, at least we'll be able to spot him. Uh, let's get down a little closer to see if, uh, see if your theory's true. If it is, it does not do any good to get the eyes without having the armor. Oh, we're not going to be able to get that armor. No. Well, let's go with what we know. We know there's an eye in the tower. She wants two eyes. If Sammy comes looking for us, I guess we'll have to deal with it at that point. I'm following you. All right, come on, work. 
give me some stealth checks as we kind of move away from the uh, the sleeping members of the party. Nineteen. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I don't know if I want to cast past the trace yet. Gonna do it. Gonna do it the risky way. Yeah, that is with disadvantage. I rolled a twenty and a seventeen. Seventeen for Shaft. Orc got a twenty-one. All right. Wow, Shaft's the loudest here. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I keep looking back like they're gonna step on something. <laughs> <laughs> so you're making like a straight shot for for the tower is the plan. I think try to avoid, you know, groupings of tents and guards and stuff like that. But, yeah, as soon as we can get outside of the encampment, uh, try to beeline it, you know, down the mountain to try to get as close to the blue light area as possible, as fast as possible, yes. As you witnessed when you first arrived at the camp, there are many bonfires and campfires kind of lit and continuously fed through the night, uh, you know, throughout the camp. So you're able to, you can you can kind of stay as far away from them, kind of weaving in between, you know, those sources of light that are, they're not necessarily close together or clustered, really. That's just, you're able to easily avoid them due to the, the breadth of the camp as you move south. And you're kind of moving, the, the direction that you came in would have been, like, from the east, moving west on that elevated part of the mountain right now. You're just kind of moving straight i guess more like southeast down down the mountain and it doesn't take you long to get to the perimeter of of the camp uh so i think at the perimeter you've seen that uh the perimeter is manned so you can each give me you can give me a perception and then i i i'll describe if and what you see and then you can decide whether or not you want to continue stealthing or do something you know whether or not you need to do something Perception is a 10 for Shaft. 23 for Shakara. Shakara, you, you notice on, on approach, there, there's no light down here, right? And I think with your... So you, you have that extended dark vision, right? Definitely coming in handy here. So you're able to spot, kind of just on the edge of it, even in the, in the dim light, a similar, like, foxhole that had been covered, you know, in the snow and camouflaged, like... The paladins that had come out to meet Silas uh, as you were entering the camp, you do spot a number of them in the direction that you're traveling. I will tap Shaft on the shoulder and point. What? I don't see anything. There's a foxhole. Okay. Let's see if we can uh, circle back and stay clear of it. I'll try to backtrack a little bit and and find another way. It might take a little longer, but uh, anything we can do to stay out of detection area. You can definitely try to... Why don't Shaft... Uh, why don't you give me a survival check, Shaft? Plus zero. <laughs> Fifteen. So you're able to kind of uh, root around and find a path that... It it doesn't look like... Unlike the the path in the camp that you're, you've been traveling uh, down, right? Uh, silently in the night... Those are those paths are clearly like man-made. Like they've been they've been made for the camp for for ease of, of just troop transport and supplies would be honestly honestly supplies in this camp clearly would be a very pain in the ass to move <laughs> due to the, the its layout and how narrow some of these walking ways are. But you're able to find one that is is not something that it doesn't look like it was created by a paladin forces to be used 
over and over and with hundreds or possibly thousands of troops to pass through in a given time frame. Clearly, this is more of a, like a like a goat trail or, or a game trail that you're able to traverse. And it, too, even though, like, you kind of witnessed uh, down by the lake, a lack of wildlife or a, a lack of any, like, sustainable, like, harvestable vegetation still. So even this path looks like it's it hasn't been used for, for some time. But you are able to find it, and... It kind of takes you, you know, it, it weaves a little bit. It takes you up back into the camp for a, a, a minute or two before coming back down and around more moving like southwesterly, right? So you're kind of having to do this bit of a circle. And as you had kind of said, a little extra time, nothing, not like an extra hour or anything like that. But you do get to what you can approximate being the perimeter of the camp as Ahead of you, there's no sign of, of torchlight or yeah. There's no campfires that have been extinguished or no signs or anything like that. Um, can I see like off in the distance the lights from Drakal? Uh, yeah, I think so because um, there would be uh, probably a significant amount of them. Absolutely, a, a city that size, and because of the city size, you can kind of see like where the the blue light overlaps it on. The, the northeastern section of it, right, that would have been much of Hannah's district that had been evacuated. There's almost like a band of darkness between it, that over the blue light overlap, and then like the rest of the city. Uh, just where like clearly there's just no inactivity. No one wants to be active even close to this, right? So you can, it's all, it's like this kind of strange like demarcation of darkness almost against the, the, the blue light and then like the city's still functioning in the parts that aren't affected by it. So the the plain area between the uh, end of the mountain, sort of the foothills area out there, and what's the, the the night sky like? Is it is it bright? Is it dark? Is full moon kind of thing? Or no, this looks like there's some cloud coverage that is starting to to settle in. Okay, there's so there's enough. Um, coverage that we can sort of, you know, walk across this area, keeping a low profile and not just sort of, you know, showing against the night sky, right? And people could see that there's something moving out there kind of thing. Yeah, I think you, you could uh, estimate that for sure. Because again, like the the blue light, like a uh, if the source of light from the tower was a source that was as powerful as like a fire if the fire was huge right like the the way it throws light is not like the way a torch or or a, f- a fire throws it's it's it has a, it has a clear maximum it's not it's not uh, casting a glow outside of the area onto the landscape that's exactly right so i think uh, we sort of gather around together and i go okay it's going to take us a couple hours to get to the tower can we, we know based on being at the towers before that the or or the uh, eye will be at the top of the tower and there's some kind of a mechanism of sorts that holds this or because we never saw the actual eye in the tower up close right that is correct so what uh, the two of you would be able to recall everything you know about the towers first tidbit of information you uncovered is even while active that in the past they have been guarded by the constructs, by Tenderman's constructs, by dealing with Percival 
the the paladin and his long name and right so those tra- that that the remnants of that party that had tried to take on the tower job forever ago you've also been inside of the inactive one and drag uh, had pointed out to falzern the uh, special sigils and etchings within it which he had described as being an amplifier again not entirely sure how the tower itself worked but being able to piece much of it together. Uh, and then there was a schematic of a, a tripod-like structure with a, with a kind of a bowl at the top of it or, or a, a, a something that you, you, know, you would place something, which clearly would be an eye, to place inside of it. So together, those bits of information, you could, you could put together like, yeah, that's absolutely this would be at the top of it, somehow being fed down through the tower affected by the runes and the sigils because Silas had also mentioned when you had first met him and asked how the construction was going he said well physically you can tell look it's it's pretty much finished there's the additional arcane things that had to be done that he doesn't have, he had no idea of what it was the physical eye sitting in the middle of the tower that's out on this tripod would I think there's a way I could climb out and grasp onto that I mean, is it big, thick logs that make up this tripod? Or are they very small? Things that look like, you know, more magically... Uh, Delicious. You know what I'm getting at? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to surmise if I think if I climbed up on top of that tower, I could climb out and somehow snatch that eye. Would that be something that's feasible? I mean, I assume Shakara would describe it to you, right? Shakara and Mia were the ones that saw the schematic of it in Tinderman's shop on Heracleon. Uh, that was not one of the things that they took from that shop, though. But certainly Shakar was Shakar's description of it. Uh, and obviously it's a schematic, so it would also have like clear d- dimensions defined on it. So, so from her recall on that description, it would stand like probably maybe a little taller than you, being a halfling, but like four feet tall. And also at the top of the tower you know that it's essentially a ring a donut there's a there's a hole in the center so again the tripod would stand over that hole and then the sigils inside of the tower would somehow amplify its effects so the combination of the two is how this tower is functioning and throwing the light as far as it does so are the tripod legs on the donut ring that would be like on the top of it where the fight with the chimeras took place there's a, so there's a floor. Yeah, there's a floor. There's a, a way I'm picturing it. There's a tripod. There's a floor, and there's a hole underneath the tripod, and the magic's coming up from the floor, hitting the eye or the opposite, whatever, and powering the tower. Okay, so we have a few choices. I mean, I know I can get in there, and I know I can probably sneak up to the top. I can probably snatch it. As long as nothing happens, we'll be okay. I don't. I don't know. I look at look over at the tower again. I can try to climb it. I might be able to make it to the top. From the outside. I mean, I can probably sneak in. I don't know what's in there. Last time we were there, they had those constructs and everything else around. It's going to be pretty tough. And you know, as soon as that light goes out, all hell's going to break loose. And you will need a box to put it in. You will not be able to hold the eye. <sighs> I could put it in my sack. Do you think that wise? Well, then, the only other thing I do is I can 
assume that they have the box in there somewhere, hidden. So I sort of sit back for a second, like I'm thinking. You can, uh, you can attune to these, and I pointed to the shackles. I can get in there, get up to the top. You can always port to me. If we, if trouble happens, I won't be there on my own. It's gonna take an hour, though. I do not believe I am able to at this time. Well, then I guess uh, we'll get up as close as we can. We it's gonna take us most most of the time. These cubes are good for. Yes. It's gonna take every bit of that to get up to the tower and get it and get out. This will be very trying. Let me get it. Let's get up closer and see if we can see what's actually guarding the place. That sounds like a good idea. All right, let's go. And sneak. You know, how, how long until dawn do you think we have? Oh, um, you've probably got about six hours. Okay. So, the effects of uh, the tower, you know that it has a six-mile radius. So, that means to get to the tower, you will be... You will be forced to traverse at least two hours into the blue light. And theoretically, no more after that if you are able to successfully deactivate it, right? It's not like uh, two two hours back out, so that might actually be okay. <laughs> might. You're always looking at it from the positive aspect. Ah, yeah. That's, I, I gotta keep things positive around here because somebody, somebody has to. <laughs> So with the with the added extra time and, and kind of following that goat trail, you actually get to the the limits of the blue light in about an hour and a half, like just just under two hours. Because again, it was only three or four four miles away. I, I think we'll proceed until we see movement or any kind of something that would be guarding the the tower. You step up to the wall, and it does look like it is a wall of energy or, or light. Like we had described earlier, it doesn't throw more light outside of the bounds of the six mile radius. It's literally like the darkness meets the blue and there's no mixture in between. And as you step tentatively into this blue light, it washes over you and it, it has a physical presence. It offers like this very slight resistance moving through it. You can feel a pressure being applied across your entire body as the light tries to slowly seep into you. If you were to hold your cube, just having it on your person is fine in your bag. That's also how it functions, as long as you're attuned to it. But if you were to hold it, the spiraling sigils etched into it would begin to glow. And as they do so for all three of you, the light around you it like starts to dim this outline uh, lessening the the sapping and draining effect that you feel as soon as you step into the blue light hmm. quickly though a number of seconds pass continuing through the light it's almost like you had to push through this this barrier and that pressure kind of starts to subside and your movements become unhindered through this light Still, though, it, it, it's try, it, you can feel it trying to draw something out of you. Now, because you are all attuned to the cube, uh, as previously stated in a number of episodes whenever we did that, upon entering the light, you would have to make a constitution saving throw. 
uh, to avoid le levels of exhaustion, your cubes auto-pass that save. So you do not have to worry about that. Every hour, however, you will have to make another save. The cube, uh, again, its effects will lessen the DC needed to avoid gaining levels of exhaustion. So you do walk for, for an hour, and you know, having already essentially walked this trail a little further north than where you're walking now, but you've, you've walked this section of land to get to the abandoned settlement where you originally found the gauntlets before the tower is activated. So you've walked, you've seen this, this barren scape, and you know that only about uh, no more than two miles away from the towers when the the trenches had been dug and that front line had been set up. So after an hour, you're still not even quite there yet. You've got another mile or so before you even hit those trenches and get to what would have been the footprint of the original paladin camp spread around the tower. So I will take a constitution saving throw from all three of you after that first hour. That's a 10 for Shaft. The cube gives you advantage on... This would technically be your second save, so you both have advantage on this because of the cube, as is Hork. Okay. So it's a normal roll for me, then. Uh, this is a saving throw, not an ability check. Okay. 22 for Shaft. That's a 17, then. Okay, Hork got a 15. The cube makes the difficulty check 15, otherwise it would have been a DC 18 without the cube. So, the second pass, you all are fine. You do not incur any levels of exhaustion. You can kind of feel the like a heat emanating from the cube as it, it, it it's it's drawing in, essentially taking the burden of what your your physical body would be taking if you didn't have it. Okay. So far though, first hour in, you don't see any signs of of movement out in the nothingness and in the blue light, unlike outside of its effects, it's as if you were walking in daylight. If that sunshine was blue, that's how much illumination is cast inside of its sphere. And of course, you would have recognized that immediately. But that's going to give you each far more visibility as you approach than what you would have had in the pitch blackness, at least. But of course, that does work both ways. Is there vegetation, bushes, trees, and things in this area, or is it just flat grassland? Well, it's actually more like uh, more more kind of dried, hard-packed sand uh, with very light vegetation. But any any bits and tufts of, of weeds or, or, or brambles that there are have been com are completely desiccated in this blue light. Vegetation that was what you could be considering thriving for what it is and what climate it exists in as you had been, as you had left the camp like two days ago. Now that completely dead. Any of the sparse foliage, uh, vegetation you come across, I mean, you, you step on it and you, like it crunches underfoot like dried leaves would. Estimated time that I would have if I, do I have an hour before I think we're going to get there? You're at the halfway mark right now. All right, we'll keep pressing on. Uh, I'll take uh, perception checks after about another 10 or so minutes uh, after that first hour. Damn, 11. 15. Okay, wow, Shakara killing it. That was with disadvantage? Disadvantage, oh, nope. Dang, nabbit. 14. 
<laughs> oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so you start to see signs of tracks. So the the kind of the the vector that you're on is a little different than the approach that um, the mass the mass of Niyogi and the giants and the like the banshees in the air like that attacking force right that had been repelled by the front line. Think of it as like the if an arrow you're the, you're walking on one line of an arrow coming to its point, the that force would have been the other like line uh, and where you would hit the trenches is essentially would be the point of that arrow, right? So as you get closer, you, you see those signs, right? You see the signs of the, the footprint. Uh, you also see signs of the, you know, the paladins moving camp and stuff there. There's discarded, uh, you know, rolls of canvas that have been dropped and forgotten as, you know, this mass amount of bodies just move, people and equipment moving. So you see signs of that and the trenches are like you come across as you, you come across like that hole that you had climbed up out of right um kind of next to one of the the, the the watchtowers above the trenches that were there as well you see scorch marks from the oaken bolters firing into to the, the forces right you're just seeing the remnants of all of what what you've essentially seen before but are now traversing through again it all just looks like in the blue light, it all looks almost a little like surreal as you you start to just lose a sense of every other color. Everything is just blue. Uh, it's very strange. Like it's like a, almost like an optical illusion. Like you look down, you know, Horrocks like tribal colors beginning to start to look blue, you know, rather than the, like the green sash and bits of torn fabric that he still wears underneath his like furs and and our and, uh, rest of his uh, winter gear everything's just like being saturated by this light so uh, as we pass up that hole that we sort of this is the hole that we climbed up into the trenches right when the battle was going on from down in the tunnel underneath that's right as you peer in you see the body of the bahir still lying in that tunnel i i sort of say to shakara I don't like it, but if we go down there, we'll be out of the light for a while. Maybe that'll protect us for a little bit longer. I think the other end comes out right near the tower. Is that correct? Yeah, it is correct. Can I look down in there and see if the light is penetrating into the tunnel? Yeah, you you peer down and it looks blue. Everything is blue, Shaft. In the interior of the tunnel is blue? Yeah, peer, peer, from your position, peering down, it looks as if as if darkness has been replaced by blue. I want to look see if that boulder is still there. So you you would have to get down and in because that boulder was uh, I think it was about a hundred feet away from where you had climbed up. It may be faster traveling and we may be undetected. Still may be useful. It'd be easier to hide for sure. Okay, I look uh, back at Horik and I say uh. I sort of point down into the hole. I think we're going to go down. Uh, uh, there'll be the Nugget I, I, it's all blue, so that I don't think they could go into the, the light. I, uh, he's like holding his cube back. <laughs> for this thing, huh? <laughs> Just put it in your pouch. You'll be all right. <laughs> Trust me. And then I take my rope and drop it down and in, in, into the hole. Hand the other side 
to Horik. <laughs> Is there anything to tie the rope onto? Uh, yeah, you could you could run it um, to some like discarded crates in in like the that have fallen like into the trenches as uh, you know equipment has moved by. I'll hand a, hand it to Horik and go. Let me go down, check it out. If I scream, pull up quick. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Okay, and I get on the rope and sort of slide down into the hole about 25, 30 feet and stop and listen and look. Okay, um, so because uh, the uh, the Bahir's size, you don't need to slide that far down to the rope. Like maybe 10 feet, you can get in and kind of see, see what's going on. Because remember, this tunnel itself was about 20, I think it was 20 feet tall, and then there was... Uh, like five to ten feet of, of dirt that had kind of been pounded and, and dug through. So dropping down, you can see again, like as uh, up on the surface, and unlike when you were originally in here, you can see as if it was fully lit. And even from, from where you are, you can see the boulder uh, has been displaced. Now you both do know that the paladins were sending a force through there to try to retrieve the goods. So that's not a, that's not unusual that it would have been moved. In fact, you can actually see that the tunnel seems to have been like widened and, and dug like around it as well. It's like it's much wider at the very end of it than it was previously the last time you were here. So I don't hear or see anything. It's just... No. Okay. The boulder's been moved. But, uh, there's nobody down here. Come on down. Horak, tie that end off, and we'll go down. I'll follow Shaft down the tunnel. All right, Horak, uh, right after. Are we on the back of this Bahir, or...? That's the first thing that you drop on, yeah, yeah. So, uh, we get down there, and I whisper to Horak, I go, Hey, we killed this. <laughs> so, so Shaft, you drop down under the, under the Bahir and get down fine. Shakara, when you come down with your extra weight, you light on it... You punch through its body cavity, but it, too, it, it has dried out and is, like, desiccated. It's thick, like, leathery skin, very brittle under your weight, and you're, like, up to your waist now inside of the beer. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> How does Horik fare? <laughs> Horik, uh, no, Horik kind of swings out away from it. <laughs> Seeing Shakara like deep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Shakara, why don't you make me a strength check to get out of it? He can do athletics if you want. And that's with disadvantage, correct? <laughs> right. Oh crap. Uh, nine. <laughs> so you kind of like kick out and try to force yourself through the rest of this body, and like there's no there's no fluids left inside, so you're not getting like gooky or like covered in like offal. Or awful, um, but Horik kind of sees you struggling and, and will like grab where you've the side of the hole that you've punched through and start to like tear and pry and help you out of this this creature. <laughs> Thank you, Horik. Right, I'll sort of slide down the body. It just seems like it's unnaturally been dried out over that period of time, or has it been natural uh, and that of uh, just decom decomposition? It's like as if you came across uh, a lizard that had been left to bake in the sun. Because of the blue light? Correct. Yeah, you can put that together. So we get down, sort of dust off the dusty parts of body that's on us, and 
Okay, let's get going. This way. I'll follow along. Head the path that we know. The path that we know. All right. You get to the end of this tunnel, which you know comes out to where the supply tent was. So before you had gotten into the hole, from the trenches you saw, obviously there's like there's no tents. You don't see any tents set up, right? Everything has been taken down, and it's just open area between where you were and the tower. So you get to the end, and, and peering up, there's no canvas covering from, you know, from the from the bottom of the tunnel. Like looking, there's nothing above you, but more blue. And it is about now that we have hit the second hour that you are inside of this blue. So you can give me a, what would be a third constitution saving throw. Just a normal straight throw, still DC 15. 19 for shaft. 12. Okay, or got an 18. So unfortunately, Shakar failed, and you're going to suffer, what is this, your second level of exhaustion? Yes. Mm. I will also remind both of you that uh, come dawn, you would have, you have yet to long rest, so you will be making a... Constitution saving throw to avoid a level of exhaustion because you've been up for too long. That's only a DC 10, though. So we'll deal with that one when we get to it. <laughs> My speed is now halved, so I oh. am moving slower. Oh, no. Okay. Wow. This is the first time exhaustion has ever been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Choices were made. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going up the hole? What's, what's happening here? How far away from the tower entrance are we when we pop out of that hole? Oh, you're you're like it's like a minute away, right? Like you, you'll be able to stand up and clearly see the entrance of the tower. All right, I think what we'll do is we, if I remember right, it comes up a pretty steep slope. Yeah, and then we can sort of get to where the the hole level with the ground, so sort of you know pop our heads up, you know, as we say, prairie dog it up a little bit, <laughs> and it's sort of look out over the, uh, and see what's out there. Okay, are you attempting to be stealth? Uh, yeah. Shaft, you look. <laughs> How far back in this tunnel are you keeping there, Shigar? <laughs> uh, where if somebody looks down in it, they can't see me. Okay. Shaft, you can give me a stealth. Hork will stay with Shakara, unless you want Hork up there with you, Shaft. Um, no, I think I'll, I think I'll tell those two to stay back, and I'm going to cast Pass Without a Trace first. That would be a 38. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Even in the bright blue light, Hork and Shakara lose sight of Shaft and just walk up. And... <laughs> so, Shaft, you, you, you get um, up into almost open air, right? And as you had seen from below, no longer, there's no tents around here. You can see the entrance to the tower is 120 feet away. You can also hear the familiar suction sound, uh, like a suction cup coming unstuck and then re-sticking. And you see that the oaken bolters have retaken their place, stuck to the sides of the tower, kind of on this rotating patrol around the top of it, uh, like on the outside of the stone. On either side of the tower's entrance, because you've seen them before and pretty much know to look for them, you see two, the two stone defenders kind of up against the wall with those big slabs of rock for shields that kind of blend them into the, the side of the tower. They seem to just be stationary, uh, not 
not moving or, 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 or doing anything by the looks of it. On both sides of the door? Yeah, like it's just on either, posted on either side of the entrance to the tower. Uh, you do know that after helping to Silas to defend the tower, that all of the mechanical cobras and the two scouts that had uh, shocked your, you and Falsy and your horses, they got destroyed in that fight. So you know that they won't be around. You've pilfered through the, that wreckage of the cobras, right? What you do hear, though, is just loud footfalls. And what comes from around the side of the tower, a hulking, clearly mechanical, humanoid figure, like two arms and two legs, standing 15, 20 feet tall. It's clear. It's pieced together from the, the overlapping hoods of the cobras and like all those broken pieces. Looks like they have just been welded and bonded together to create this humanoid construct protruding from all over it its shoulders its back its chest the big the 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 like foot long foot and a half long spikes that mia had used to set up the wall the scaffolding trap those have been incorporated into this thing made of metal and and the wood from it from the scaffolding as well on it pep stuck to many of those spikes are the desiccated corpses of of orcs and like an and animals like things that have gotten into the blue light and just not survived it's dragging two more behind it as you see it a hold of the the legs of, of of an orc it just brings it up and swings it around and just sticks it right to itself into its spikes <laughs> okay i sort of slink back down into the hole down to where they are and i i walk up and to him i look up and well, it could be worse, but I don't know how. <laughs> and that's our show. If you're not already, be sure to follow us at Incorrigible Par on Twitter, Incorrigible Party on Instagram and Facebook, and you can go to incorrigibleparty.com for world lore and PC information, and we've recently started adding some maps there as well. Incorrigible Party is generously sponsored and made possible by Critical Hit Design. For any of your design needs, visit criticalhitdesign.com. All ambient sound and music is provided by Tabletop Audio. And our intro and outro music was created by Josh Jarvis. You can reach him at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. Happy adventuring! <laughs>